folks, good evening and welcome to Fams and Monsters Personal Reports, where I narrate and discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters submitted to Fams and Monsters. I also detail current and past investigations on occasion, so uh, thanks for joining me. The, uh, the Fams and Monsters radio channel was made possible by you clicking and you know, the subscribe button and by you sharing our programming. Uh, super chat and super thanks donations are appreciated and the uh, buy me a coffee link and banner are also there So thanks for your consideration uh, I want to I want to thank Bill Fuller for stepping in with uh, for Vincent tonight Vincent's kind of under the weather and His show will not be going on tonight. So I just wanted to let you know ahead of time So uh, let's get started with a few of these uh, reports that I've received, and most of these have come more recently. Uh, the first one is where a girl heard knocking at her front door and soon discovered two young children asking to come in. So she later noticed that they had black eyes and they became more aggressive and vandalized the house after they were rebuked. Now, this is what was forwarded to me. Uh, on November 3rd, 2020, it was a little past midnight and I had woken up to a banging sound on my door. Now, my parents were out voting. It was actually, uh, it was um, election day and I think they, they left early, got in line or whatever, but my sister was still asleep. I, I went downstairs quietly so I wouldn't wake my sister up. I had cameras, but I decided not to, to look at them. And when I looked through the little peephole in the door, I saw children. Now, they didn't look quite normal, though. The little boy around eight years old uh, had these weird shoes and outfit that looked like someone from the 40s would wear. The girl, who was around six or so, did not look much better. She had this haircut that a woman would wear in the 90s and an outfit that a woman would wear in the 70s. Besides that, they looked perfectly normal. Uh, so I asked, are you lost? And um, our parents will, will be here soon. They both said in unison. Do you need anything? Can we come in? Right away, I knew that something was off with these kids. Not just the fact that they were dressed weirdly, but the fact that their voices were somewhat off. They had voices that no eight-year-old or six-year-old should have. I suddenly felt dizzy and I... I knew that something weird was going on with these kids. Now, if, if your parents are almost here, then can't you just wait out here? I asked them. It, it was perfectly safe neighborhood and not, a, not prone to robberies or anything had ever gone on here. I, uh, I never even saw a shady person walking around. Can we come in? They asked once more, but this time they weren't asking. They were starting to get angry. No, you may not, I yelled. I know this sounds bad that I'm saying this to a little kid that's lost, that they can't come into my house, but there was something really off, and it was, it was really bothering me. That yell uh, woke up my sister. Uh, she turned on the, the porch light, which helped me see that these kids had black eyes. I screamed and shut the door in her face. Now, my sister asked what was going on, who was that, and why I yelled. And I told her to just go to bed and, and don't worry about it. And she did as I asked. <clears throat> the kids eventually left. 
but they did do some damage to my house when I shut, you know, when I shut the door. They ripped some plants and they actually cracked the window. Now later that night, I did some research on on them and found out that these black eyed kids can only come into your house if you give them permission. <clears throat> There's a slight chance that they will come back soon and I'll be ready. But uh, when the kids left, they went in a black car with two tall dudes in, in suits. Uh, just remember, if you ever see a kid with black eyes and pale skin coming toward your house or car, don't let them in. And, you know, that's the warning we always get with these things. Um, very rarely do they they strike out. I mean, you know, I don't know what the situation was here. Uh, the fact that two guys in black picked them up was kind of strange. Now, I'm just saying it's a men in black scenario, but it's interesting. It's pretty weird. So, um so I'll go ahead and, and and if you have any questions, go ahead and put them up, and uh, I'll I'll get them on the way after I you know later on when I do the other one or you know we get toward the end of the show. Oh, we do have a question. Let me look here. Nancy asks, uh, could black-eyed children be alien human crossbreeds where the genes didn't go as planned? You know, I guess anything's possible. Um. I, I know of some researchers who believe that they are alien beings, um, that they're possessed somehow with with aliens or by aliens, that they've been manipulated at some point. Um, you know, this phenomena is, is really hasn't been too prevalent in, until maybe the last decade or a little bit more. But... Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess you're, I mean, anybody guess, I guess could be part of it. You know, I've had, um, I've had some local scenarios occur over the years where people had in, encountered these, these kids. I mean, there was one I had happened in a state park, not far from here. And, um, you know, they, they actually tried to get away from these kids and then they saw them about a week later at a location about 30 miles away. So I don't know if people had been picking them up or they had been walking that distance or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's an odd scenario. It's an odd phenomena. But, um, you know, I don't know if there's real, really any good answers to it. So the next one. So, you know, um, last week on Fans of Monsters Radio, Steve Stockton and I were talking about our families and their heritage in the Southern Appalachians. Uh, a listener then forwarded this account to me. My grandmother was half Cherokee Indian and her mother, my great grandmother was full blood Cherokee. We think she was born in or around 1840 in Eastern Tennessee near North Carolina border in the great Smoky mountains. My great-grandmother married a white Frenchman who was a trapper. Now, this story was passed down and told to me. My great-grandmother, uh, when she was a youth, was told that uh, the creatures we call Bigfoot were just another inhabitant of the wilderness of the Appalachian Mountains. The native Cherokee called them Tsulkalu, and I've heard that name before, roughly translated as the Sloping Giant. It was told that these creatures stood twice as tall as humans, covered in brown, coarse hair with large shoulders, large dark eyes, and a sloking, almost conical head. 
It is said that these Bigfoot lived and in ways associated with the indigenous native Cherokee people, the Appalachians. Now, the story told by my great-grandmother was that one evening as the fires were burning down, a soft moaning noise was heard from an area not far from the tribal settlement. It came from a from near a large creek. Now, several of the elder men took torches and began walking down a trail towards the creek where the moaning noise was coming from. Now, supposedly, a few of the women followed behind, and at one point near the creek, everyone stopped to listen to the noise. After a few minutes, the moaning was heard, and as the men moved towards the location of the sound, they soon realized the source of the moaning was a human-sized creature. It was a juvenile Bigfoot. It seemed that it had been separated from its mother. Now, this seemed very unusual. The Cherokee elders, as some of the women, made their way down to the men. Uh, the women instinctively knew something wasn't right about the situation and convinced the men to allow them to bring the young Bigfoot back to the encampment. <clears throat> the young Bigfoot was obviously scared and, and lost. The, um, the women stayed up all night with this young Bigfoot, giving it food and drink as it stayed mostly in a fetal position and moaning, wanting its mother. The fires of the camp frightened the young Bigfoot, but the women did their best to comfort it during the night. So in the morning, the young Bigfoot had fallen asleep for a short time and awoke scared as it was surrounded by tribal inhabitants. The women again stepped in to comfort the young creature as it calmed down. The nurturing of a mother transcends from different species. Now, later in the day, after the cooking fires had been lit, some young Cherokee children came running into the camp, saying that a bigger creature, like the young one, was following them from the creek. It was lingering outside the encampment. Then the tribe heard a loud roar, sending shivers through every animal and human in the near area. A larger creature entered the outer brush that surrounded the camp. Now, the young creature began to whimper and stood on its feet. It ran into the brush as the entire camp watched the two creatures embrace. In the background, an even larger creature was then seen as it stood quietly. Now, a few of the elders got up and walked towards the creatures. There were no signs of aggression displayed by either the creatures or the elder men of the tribe. There was nothing but silence as both the creatures and humans looked at each other. The creatures then turned and walked into the forest. It has been said that there were numerous occasions when contact was made between tribes and these creatures throughout the region, and each time they passed without having to say a word. They were both inhabitants in the mountains and forest, living as brothers. You know, I heard a similar story from my family, and I don't know where it originated from, but I, uh, it was probably on the Cherokee side of the family, but, uh, I heard something very similar. Now, um, this area that they were talking about where this person had lived in where her family lived, that was not far from where my family was raised. Uh, so, um, I don't know, you know, it, it could have very well have been the same story. It was a little bit different, but of course, you know, we, we hear all kinds of legends and such. So, um, it's an interesting tale. <clears throat> now, I got another, another interesting account here. 
After discovering a ritual location along a river near Lima, Ohio, a witness mother not long after had a horrifying encounter with a seven-foot-tall, upright cryptid canine outside of their home. So the, uh, the individual contacted me, and this is what they wrote. Hello, I don't read all the stories posted on your site, but this one struck me. And I, I think they're referring to a, another cryptic canine account I had posted. I grew up in a town called Lima, Ohio, and this is my story. And I'm very familiar with Lima because I went to college in Finley, Ohio. And uh, I was actually on the Lima Orchestra for about a half a semester. So I, I know the area well. Now, for many years, the old timers coming in from the middle rural areas south of Lima would talk about three sightings of Ohio Grassman. Now, one of them I'd spoken to as a teenager even claimed to have trapped one in his barn to prove that he wasn't crazy. He awoke to find the barn door and splinters in the field surrounding it. These are the stories that first got me interested in cryptids in our area. But this isn't about the Grassman. Neither is it about the strange lights and stories that were featured in a film about my high school, Shawnee, on Amazon Prime. There is a place southwest of Lima, a bridge actually, that the locals referred to as the Coven Bridge. Far out there in the farm area and not a lot of residences. Not many of the kids in the area know about it because it was far out in the country. Now, the legend was that this bridge was a meeting place for a group of people who practiced black magic in the sort. It was also said that they believed in lycanthropy and were there to summon that power. Now, on that, at this place, a group of about eight of us hopped into a, into a car on, the, uh, on a Friday night looking for a thrill, not much to do in a small town. Now, to shorten the story, I'll tell you that shortly after arriving in this dank black water in the middle of nowhere, my friend and I decided that we could venture down to the underside of this very old metal frame bridge. It was a full moon, and I know this sounds like a horror movie set up, but the moonlight reflecting off the uh, still waters, the only way we noticed that we, what we discovered under there. The old bridge was supported along the shallow banks by uh, flat river rock and from the moonlight appeared that some dark oozing fluid was running down the sides of this wall. And when my friend lit his zippo, we realized it was not blood, but candle wax. Some person had gone through the trouble of drilling out the rock in over a dozen places to insert brass sleeves and to place candlesticks. The place had been used for quite some time based on the amount of wax. It was probably for some ritualistic purposes based on the drawings of animals and symbols. Now, a few months later in the summer, I took my mother there as she was interested to see this type of thing. So fast forward a short time later into the summer and fall, my mom was arriving home from work after dark. Where we lived in our quiet neighborhood, our backyard, ended in a farmer's field for about 50 acres or so, then woods. Now, we lived in a rural area ourselves. She drives her car up to the house, and as she parks, her headlights are shining on the, glows, the closed garage door. 
And she stated that she thought my dad was outside standing in front of the garage door until whatever it was stood straight up. And it was about seven foot tall, hunched with long arms, about like a dog. It looked directly at the car with the headlights shining on it, then quickly hopped over the hood of our Buick and ran across the field to the woods. Now, she was very shaken by the ordeal. When she finally came into the house and was, as expected, visibly upset and crying, it took a while for my dad to calm her down. Now, for decades after the incident, even until we passed this year, until she passed this year, she refused to talk about it. Uh, she said it upset her too much and she wanted to forget it. So, um, I do know, and what a lot of parts of, you know, there are a lot of parts of Ohio where these cryptic canines have been reported. And I know that area around Lima and Finley and, and such, and that's kind of the uh, west central part of the state. They, they do have cryptid sightings around there, uh, cryptic canine sightings around there. So, you know, the story kind of rings true. Now, was it related to the, um, you know, was it related to some type of a cult, like anthropy or something like that? I don't know. I guess that's uh, for you to decide. But it is an interesting, it is an interesting account. So, um, does anybody have any questions? I guess not. So we'll we'll pick this up. If you have questions, wait till the end, of, and you know, until I'm done uh, discussing and reading these, and then you can ask anything you want. It doesn't have to necessarily be just what I post either or what I read. So, um, so this next account, and this is a local account here. Uh, a, a, a local man and his daughter were hiking in Misho State Forest. Now, Misho State Forest is a um, a, a large, long uh, park that has other smaller parks in it, and it's west of me about, oh, I don't know, about 25 miles. It's, it's only like 15 miles west of Gettysburg. So I received this, this account about a month ago. <clears throat> and they write, um, I was in woods from the time I could walk. So I know every creature that lives in the forest and mountains around my home in Adams County in South Central Pennsylvania. I've even seen tracks of a couple animals that the game commission say don't exist here, such as wolves and mountain lions, and they're here. Uh, they will deny it. Uh, but the story I must tell you isn't about any of those. Uh, it's about an encounter my daughter and I had in the spring of 2019 with a Bigfoot. Now, we were hiking in Misho State Forest close to my home. We would do this at least once a week. Uh, we always took the same trail, an unused forestry road to be precise. We uh, would walk along the road for about a mile and a half to a spring that ran across it. Uh, there we would sit down and uh, rest before we'd hike back out. Now, sometimes... We would bring something along to eat, but most of the time we just sat there and listened. Now, she had gotten interested in a couple of the YouTube channels about Bigfoot, and especially where there was some talk about gifting them. Now, on that day in question, we had brought some apples to leave. I thought to myself some raccoon or deer are going to eat or get a free meal, but it made my daughter happy anyway. So we had... Um, 
just left the spring when my senses told me that we were being watched. Now, I know that sensation because I've, I've been in combat. I've been hunt, being hunted is like no other feeling. I stopped and looked around. I didn't see anything, and I turned to catch up with my daughter a few steps ahead of me. That's when I heard a slight coughing sound to our right. Now, my daughter heard it, too, because I saw her eyes grow. She said, what was that? I, I said, it's just the deer warning the rest of the herd that were around here. I knew it wasn't a deer, so, um, so she just kept walking. Uh, and I told her, you know, just keep walking and ignore it. So we started on again. We hadn't gone too much further when a tree limb snapped. Uh, this happened behind us. It was pretty close, but off in the brush, we both stopped and turned around, uh, turned towards the sound. Now we stood here quietly looking into the dense brush for a couple minutes when I saw movement out of the corner of my eye. Now turning my head, I saw a creature standing about 40 yards down the trail from where we had come from. My daughter saw it too. She took a deep breath but stayed quiet. We stood there looking at it, him, and yes, it was a male. He was about seven to eight foot tall, broad in shoulders. And he was very muscular. His hair was about three to four inches long and was a rust cover. He stood there looking at us. We didn't make a sound. Neither did we after what felt, neither did we after what we felt like an attorney, but it really was only a couple minutes. He then raised his left hand with his palm toward us and moved it like he was pushing something. My daughter and I just looked at him, then at each other, and then back at him. I shrugged. He made the motion again, but this time he grunted softly this time. Well, we got the message. He was telling us that it was time for us to go. So we turned around and started walking. Now, my daughter wanted to go look back, but something told me not to let her, let her do it. So we just walked to the truck. Now, once we reached the truck and before we could get in, we heard a series of loud whoop sounds coming from the area that we had just exited. We just looked at each other and promised not to tell her mother about this. If her mother found out, she'd never let my daughter into the woods again. Uh, we have been back to the area many times, but have never come across anything other than one indistinct impression of a big of a footprint measuring roughly 19 and a half inches long. Also, I have been there to by myself. On one occasion, while I didn't see or hear anything, I just got the feeling that I wasn't welcome. Now, I contacted the witness and got the location of the encounter. Uh, I don't know, for those who maybe who know a bit about Misho, uh, it was a long Woodrow Road, which is approximately a quarter mile east of the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail goes right through the park. Uh, it's an area close to what locals refer to as the primitive campsite number four. And I have been in that area many times. There have been numerous sightings throughout the park in the past. Misho State Forest is well known for Bigfoot and cryptid canine activity. I've had several reports out of there over the years uh, of both. And um, a couple people on our team, Tim Renner in particular, has done research there. So uh, yeah, it's uh, and it's it's classified as a, a hot spot here in Pennsylvania. 
Uh, of course, the BFRO also classifies it as a hot spot in Pennsylvania because Route 30 runs right through the park. And a lot of the sightings of Bigfoot are seen by motorists on this four-lane highway who actually have seen, especially at night, Bigfoot picking up roadkill, dead deer off off the uh, off the pavement. So, um, yeah. So uh, it does have a lot of activity. Now, this uh, this last encounter is another one from Pennsylvania. It's an interesting account too. A Somerset County, Pennsylvania woman and her husband were driving around Mount Davis when they caught a glimpse of a gray alien humanoid standing in the trees to their left. Now, during the pandemic, this is what the witness wrote to me, my husband and I would go for rides around Mount Davis, Pennsylvania, in southern Somerset County, approximately five miles north of the Maryland line. It's the highest point in Pennsylvania. Neither of us was working. It was during the lockdown. No one was out. The date was June 22nd, 2020. We would ride around looking for deer, wildlife, etc. Nothing else to do. Um, there's also a state game land, SGL 271. Well, we would very rarely see another vehicle. Now that night, the deer were bedded down along the side of the roads. Uh, they were acting unusual. Unusually, uh, we were on the main road coming up the mountain from High Point Lake. A deer ran out in front of us, stopped and turned around and ran in the direction it came from, which was from the right. As we sat there for a moment, we were watching to make sure that more deer didn't run out behind it. There was an opening in the brush and the trees on the left. Something caught both our eyes. Now, neither of us said a word. My husband had a flashlight and was holding it out the window. Now, it was after 11 p.m., so it was illegal to use a spotlight at that time in Pennsylvania. I was in shock, and I could not believe what we were seeing. In the opening right along the side of the road stood a humanoid alien. It turned as if in slow motion, bending its knees to turn, lifted its arms to reach for a limb, and just stood there staring at us and us at it. I had my phone on my lap. I wanted to take a photo, but I had so many thoughts running through my mind. I thought, what if I take a, a picture and it pisses it off? Needless to say, I didn't. We just sat there looking in, in disbelief, and it was standing there looking at us. I told my husband to just go, so he pulled away. Now, once we got on the road a little way, I asked him what kind of species would you say that was. He replied that he would say it was an alien because it exa looked exactly like what was in the movies, a gray humanoid type. So in my opinion, I think uh, there was more going on during the COVID lockdown than we were told. Now, I do know that area. In fact, I used to go deer hunting when I lived in Maryland, right across the border in the uh, what they called the Negro Mountains. Uh, it was just south of there, and you can see Mount actually see Mount Davis from from that park in Maryland. So I used to do a lot of deer hunting there. So uh, yeah, I do know the area, and that doesn't surprise me. But you know, a great humanoid alien. I mean, that's hard to imagine. I guess. Um, I, I get very, very rarely get 
reports like that in Pennsylvania, but occasionally we will get something. So I don't know why I was there. What was the reason? Could they have seen a, um, a, a crawler humanoid? I don't know. Maybe, you know, sometimes they do look from reports. They look like that, but I don't know. So folks, if you got any questions, uh, please feel free to ask me. I'm going to try to go back here and see if you did post anything, but, um, yeah, if you have a question for anything I talked about or even anything else that we've been, you know, we have been posting recently, please, uh, please put it up there. Please ask me. You have to excuse me. I've got a bit of a sniffle tonight. So I guess we don't have any questions. Okay, well, just as well. Yeah, if you, if you do have questions, put it in caps. Um, you know, I, I'll hang around here. Uh, but um, I will say that if, if you have an unexplained encounter setting, feel free to con make, contact me through the Fams of Monsters blog site. Uh, thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. And, and for, for those who made a donation, truly appreciate it. Your support is what makes all this possible. So please like and subscribe and share. And, and please comment. Uh, we're, we're always interested in your comments and what you think is going on. Um, if you have a sighting or encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the personal report show, or even for the blog, let me know. Send it to lawnstricklerfamsandmonsters.com. Ah, uh, we do have a question. David Jones Locker, what's the best crystal for clearing darkness? Uh, well, it's, it's just not the crystal itself. If you want to clear, if you want to clear some malevolency out, it's going to take more than just having a crystal. It's going to take some divination, maybe some affirmation and other work as all well with, with it as well. You know, honestly, when I, when I do, when I do that, even, even distance clearing, I use, uh, certain types of, uh, either candle magic along with it, divination, uh, affirmations. I, I also use the lesser keys of Solomon. Uh, I, I have on occasion made uh, talismans that I have sent to people to use at locations. <clears throat> but I would say the one crystal that, that is effective uh, is, is something dark, particularly black tourmaline or uh, obsidian, something like that. Uh, some people believe that rose quartz is another good one. Others believe amethyst is another one. Um, I, I, there's one stone in particular that I always use is get your fluorite. You've probably heard me talk about it before. It's fairly rare to find, but it's a, a very strong and very energetic stone. Uh, I use it in everything I do. So, uh, you know, if you can find it, I would, I would, try to obtain some it might not work for you like it does for me and every every person has a different vibration with each stone their crystal they use so um jose sanchez how big tall is the average dog man or bigfoot uh versus bigfoot um versus bigfoot uh you know in pennsylvania in particular the upright canines and some of the signs we've gotten some huge animals um nine to ten foot yeah, I mean, they're big, and they're muscular, and they're uh, well-defined. Bigfoot, seven to eight foot for the average. 
around here, they, they try to stay away from each other. Uh, I, I think they do move along along the mountains from north to south occasionally. Uh, Butch and I had thought that that they do travel along the Appalachians uh, from some parts here in Pennsylvania down south and in, across into Maryland into West Virginia. Yeah, I, I think they do. The Bigfoot tend to stay in the valleys. The evidence that we have gotten, and it seems like the upright canines are, are dogmen, seem to move a little higher up along the ridges and such. So they do try to stay away from each other. Uh, Andrew Maselli, Lon, what's your favorite freaky, scary dogman encounter you've heard of? Oh, my God, I've heard so many of them. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say one. Uh, some that we've had here in Pennsylvania were pretty bad, uh, pretty freaky, if you ask me. Um, we did have a um, an individual who worked for the state, worked for the Game Commission, and and had also did some work with the uh, state parks or the DNR. Uh, had just got done working in an area around Rothrock State Park that was that had been just opened up. And he and his wife and two other couples were out one day, one Saturday, looking around. And uh, now he was armed. But, the, you know, these three couples were walking down one of the trails, and they were wide trails, too. They were heading back to the parking lot. And one of the women happened to turn around and saw this huge upright canine standing in the in the trail from where they had come from. And she screamed. And this thing kind of bluff charged them, uh, but jumped back into the bushes before the guy pulled a gun on it. So they hurried to the uh, to the parking lot. And when they got to the parking lot, the same, same creature was standing on the other end of the parking lot. So it had gone through the weeds and through the brush and gone the other way around. It knew where it was going. But they got to their car quickly enough and uh, got in and left. So it didn't bother them. So that's probably one of the, the weird ones we've had. Um, Maria asked about the... Um, um, Maria Snyder, any... Marla Snyder, I'm sorry. Any recent reports of the hyena-type creatures? I guess the last one, of course, was with Matt Hurriak uh, out in French uh, Creek State Park. We had him on the show. That's the last hyena-type or similar to a hyena, but we do get them. I mean, the, these these creatures are out there, the mostly quadrupeds, um, but this one it, the, out at French Creek was an upright. It was actually both. It was on all fours, and it was standing up. But the markings and some of the characteristics were very similar to um, to hyena types. Um, most of the quadrupeds, though, that we do get, or that I have gotten, and Butch and I had gotten, did resemble hyenas. They had the sloping back, the large head, though the head had like a wolf-like look to it, very muscular and, and large like a hyena. He even had the spots on it. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what that is. Uh, I guess you know we just classified as dog man. But you know there when you look at it, there are some you know the way it reacts, the way it looks at certain folks. Uh, it does kind of give you that human quality to it. So is it similar to a human? I don't know. You know I guess that's how the dog man name got you know put into it. Um, but. 
And some of the descriptions we've had over the years are, are different. I mean, they are different. Uh, you just can't put them in, classify them into two sections. There, there are a lot of, lot of varieties. So, have you ever had a Bigfoot sighting? Oh yeah, I, I had my encounter back in '81 down in, outside Sykesville, Maryland. I've talked about that forever. You, I, I, I suggest you go to the, um, go to my blog site and search uh, Sykesville monster. And uh, it tells about my personal encounter. Okay, let's see. Got anything else? Nancy Malcolm asks, Lon, have you had reports or know about using shards of crystal quartz to attract orbs? Hmm, no. No, I, I, I don't know about that. I, I've never done that. I don't know of anybody who has, though. You know, a lot of people use crystals for a lot of different things. Uh, they can be used to attract certain phenomena. Um, but no, I, I've never done it. Mad Skull. Lon, have you had any recent or new Mothman sightings reported you lately? Um, Not since... Um, no, I can't say that. We are investigating some. Uh, I, I know Manuel is still investigating a couple reports that came into him. I uh, there's a gentleman who lives in Chicago who's a genealogist and a re historical researcher. Um, I'm waiting for him to get back to me. It, it, it involves his roommate, who uh, who died two years ago after an encounter with the supposed Chicago Mothman. Uh, so I'm waiting to get all of that. Uh, it's an interesting account from what I've heard. But he's also, he, he's very connected with a lot of people in the Chicago area. And uh, he tells me that he knows of a police officer who got a report of one of these things as well and did make a report. I don't know the extent of that. So uh, I'm just waiting for him to get back to me. But uh, it's interesting. So, uh, yeah, as soon as we get that, we will put it out there. Okay. So, thank folks, thanks for coming on here. And uh, like I said before, Vincent's show, The V, has been postponed because he's ill. But then this Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time, get ready for the Creepy Christmas Cheer Show. Uh, with Vincent, if he's if he's able to make it, Bernadette and I will host uh, that this Friday, December 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern. Our guest will be Steve Stockton and Dean Bertram. So it should be a very interesting, interesting show. So until then, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.